A, B, C. A, always B, B, C, closing. Always be closing. Always be closing. A, I, D, A. Attention, interest, decision, action. Attention. Do I have your attention? Interest. Are you interested? I know you are, because it's fuck or walk. You close or you hit the bricks. Decision. Have you made your decision for Christ? People are always saying about the talk, and I talk, and I talk, and I talk, but guess who can walk? I back it up! I back it up! That means it's time to roll, baby. You got nothing going on between your ears, buddy. Hey, John, do you think I'm just gonna sit there and let you kill me, John? I mean, really. I think I could beat every girl in my division with one hand. That guy is such a dick. I mean, you show your true colors after a fight, and that fucking guy comes up to you. You know who you are, huh? I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> hope to God you come ready. I'm Michael Morgan, and as usual, I'm joined by my sister from another mister, G from Boy TV. That would be me. Hey, Mike, what's going on? I'm real good. I'm real good. We are back into the freight train that is um, a fight card every single week up until April. Yes. So, yeah, it's all good in the hood, baby, baby. Yes, it is. I love it. Now, it's a bit of a packed show today because not only are we going to recap um, UFC Rio Rancho, we're going to also discuss Bellator Dublin. But as well as that, our special guest this week is none other than UFC London. Um, well, highlight, I would say. I'm really looking forward to seeing him, him when he actually uh, touches down in London. It's Lerone Murphy. Nice. But as well as that, we're also joined by by Chisanga Malata and Kairos, General Kairos. <laughs> Kairos is really killing it these days with the media in terms of um, the content that he's creating. It's absolutely incredible. I love that guy. Oh, yeah. Like, he's just so entertaining and he's so just impartial. He's just here to have fun. This weekend, uh, we saw Rio Rancho and um, basically the UFC pitched up its tent. And I have to say the card was okay just okay i mean were there notables for you i know you're the prelim master when it comes to the prelims <laughs> you are definitely on the case and you know the ones to be looking out for um on the prelims what did i miss well for me i was i love tim means versus daniel rodriguez um reason being is that I totally did not expect this. I really thought that Tim Means was going to be able to just get an easy win in his hometown. And instead, Daniel Rodriguez, former King of the Cage champion and also Contender Series uh, contract winner, halted that. And, Mike, he was landing some heavy left hooks to Tim Means' head, to the side of the head. And it was so jarring. And you could see Tim reacting to every left hook. And it was stunning. And I couldn't believe it. And then he sinks in a standing guillotine choke. It, I think he's a prospect to keep our eyes on, Mike. I'm shocked he got past Tim Means. Such a, you know, crafty veteran. And it was it was a nice um, it was a nice win in the second round, standing guillotine. I suggest you and all the listeners to go check it out. It's stunning. I, I I've got to admit, I did have my eye or half an eye on um, the screen as I was waiting for the prospect, um, oh, Nathaniel yeah. Wooding. He took on um, John Dodson. Now, from what I saw, I obviously do need to take a proper look at that. But um, you're, you're right. That is one definitely to revisit. But 
you know, I suppose that kind of sets up and tees up quite nicely. As I say, there is usually for me, um, well, I wake up either halfway through um, the end of the prelims or just go straight to the main card or catch up uh, if I'm not actually watching live uh, the next morning. But I had good reason to stay up because obviously there was a Brit on the card. So my interest was peaked and that was in the form of Nathaniel Wood. Now, you know, um, I'm going to just lay my cards on the table. I've said it on previous uh, podcasts. Mm-hmm. So there's no secret here. I'm pretty hot on Nathaniel Wood in that, you know, having followed him from his early days up until now, um, I've got a keen interest in his progress and just seeing the transformation, as I say, from, you know, him as a semi-pro and then, you know, his skills being polished over there at American Top Team. It's just incredible to see him in the UFC. Now, there were tears, obviously, to be shed if you were a Brit um, because he didn't actually secure the bag, as it were. Um, he came up short against John Dodson. You thought it was an early stoppage, I can tell. Go ahead. Yes, 100%. Now, okay, from my vantage point, mm-hmm. um, they didn't actually show the blows landing. Um, I just saw the way in which Nathaniel was actually um, attempting to get up. He wasn't stunned. He wasn't knocked out. The blows seemed more like rabbit punches to the effect that they were cosmetic. They weren't actually doing any substantial damage. And having uh, the privilege of actually um, touching base with Nathaniel after the bout he said he felt absolutely fine he was just you know obviously bruised um emotionally yeah um you know you you you, you win or you learn um that's how he kind of like took it but at no point was he out at no point was he injured and it was exactly what i was seeing actually transpiring on the screen and that is he was attempting to get up yeah. so i take it from what you just said there, the intimation that you, you well, the, the, the kind of like um, leaning you just given me there, you completely disagree. Yeah, I think we're going to disagree on this one. Um. <laughs> <laughs> can I go, skirt? Hold on a sec. Can I just, can I just, please? I, I just want to check one thing. There, there, there is no glee in your voice. No, no, there's no glee. I like nothing. No? There's no glee in this at all. Oh, this okay. is not me right. being I'm just a checking. Jerk. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, a, it's an honest observation. What I saw when I watched mm-hmm. the fight was eight to ten unanswered shots. And yes, um, they did look like, you know, like little sister shots, like when you're fighting a sibling and, yes. and your little sister, get away, and she hits you, you know, really mm-hmm. fast. But... Regardless of the fact, those shots went unanswered, and he was not intelligently defending himself. I did not see an elbow go up. I did not see him anything that told the ref that he was okay, except for the fact that he was trying to get up, but he wasn't intelligently defending. And I'm just fine with the referee doing his job and making sure that fighters also don't take extensive damage that they don't need to take, and I think that's why he called the fight. I didn't... I didn't have a problem with the stoppage, but I can see why people are a little unhappy with it, no doubt. I, I tell you what I am unhappy about, mm-hmm. not only the stoppage, but there was no way that anybody could convince me that those teeps that were actually getting through to his midsection, that is Jordan Dodson's um, midsection, were actually touching 
any area of his cup because the toes were landing flush on his stomach and he was complaining that he was kicked in the nuts. Now, from where I was sitting, they played it over in slow-mo. Mm -hmm. It looked like the cup moved, but it wasn't a direct shot. You know what made me think that that was suspicious? Is that he didn't mm. immediately fall to the ground and die like most men that get hit in the nuts do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know anything you know about when you've that, been hit. but I do know that when I observe it, most men just have to take a break or they just fall out on the ground. He just was like complaining, but could fight, you know, very quickly afterwards. That's when I was like, stop with the dramatics, you know, because we've seen nut shots where people were damn near debilitated. And then John Dotson just seems to be whining. Stop. Yeah. Get the referee's attention differently or whatever, or just keep fighting. You know what I mean? Like he's not really hitting you in the nuts and you're distracting viewers, us, everybody. It, you know, stop. <laughs> I didn't. I and and for me, for, for me, that smacks of an old school technique and that is to break the rhythm, break the yeah, flow break the rhythm, of the attacking break, fighter. Yeah. Disrupt yeah. the breathing, you know, put on a little show, yada, yada. And I saw right through it. You know, you didn't, you didn't get on your knees and start crying like most men do. Mm. So let's just, it was distracting. But once he stopped having those fits or whatnot, you know, he, you know, John Dotson, he did surprise me with the knockout. I mean, even, I think John Dotson is still declining even with this win, Mike. And, I, you know, I know that sounds controversial because he just had a win, but I, he's not the same guy that he was before, and he's still ridiculously fast. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. Hugely, hugely fast. Faster than most. I mean, when, when Nathaniel came forward with those um, barrage of punches and John just mm. kind of slightly got out of the way and just landed that beautiful left counter and drops Nathaniel Ward, it was gorgeous and it took such speed to get that done because remember, Nathaniel came at him very quickly too with a barrage of punches and John Dotson handled it beautifully, which resulted in that knockout and I, I couldn't believe it. I favored Nathaniel to win and I think we all did, right? Absolutely. I mean, he was the odds and favourite mm -hmm. to win. But one of the uh, a few things actually worried and um, it made me feel as though perhaps he should have more courage of conviction in, you know, what was effectively working. I'm talking about the kicks, the low leg kicks yeah. um, that were working um, in the first round. I thought I'll just continue with those. Yeah, I mean, right. he's he, he's got the reach. He's got the height advantage. And, you know, he clearly had the speed because it was connecting. Yes. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I'm with you when you say that Dodson, his speed was ferocious. But, you know, what was working, I felt, initially for um, Wood was the uh, the kicks. And he, he didn't actually, um, well, persevere with those. And what also concerned me as well was he seemed to be moving. Uh, I have to watch it again. But it looked like he was moving in straight lines going back. We're talking like, you know, no attempt to, like, cut angles or even um, basically... Um, well, I suppose Bob and Weave, in terms of when the punches were actually coming, you were just moving straight back. And I thought, that isn't really intelligent in terms of, um, you know, having any kind of like defensive, um, well, offense against um, Dodson. Well, perhaps he was struggling with Dodson. It sounds like he um, was struggling with him and was able, unable to, you know, do this lateral movement that you're speaking of and that he went straight back mm. instead because, you know, John Dotson, you got to worry about that speed, but you also have to worry about how elusive he is with that speed and yeah. just how dynamic he can be with what he's good at with the speed. And you have to keep up with him. 
And it's hard to figure him out. So I could see that causing Nathaniel Wood to make those types of mistakes. And I just think it just was taking him too long to figure out the distance and his timing and his movement. That's why John Dotson was able to come up on him in the in the third round. And he was unable to keep up, excuse me, Nathaniel was unable to keep up with those leg kicks. He just had so much going on, you know. So, but it, 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 did, 100%. it did surprise me. Um, a lot that John won and it was so nice for him to get the win though in his hometown and the crowd was ferocious with the win and um I don't know I think Nathaniel would if it was up to me if I could play matchmaker I'd give him Ricky mm. um, Ricky Simone he just lost to Rob Font and I think that would yeah. be a decent matchup for him yeah give Nathaniel somebody that's still in his realm still like you know teetering out the top 10 and you know top 15 I think Ricky Simon is ranked close to Nathaniel he just you know had a loss to Rob Font Nathaniel just took one to John Dotson let them you know duke it out I think that wouldn't be too bad of a matchup test Nathaniel's defense See, I, you know wrestling defense I, I, I like I like where you're, you're going with that. For, for a long while in the UK, there's been this ongoing debate as to who is the better bantamweight, whether it's Brett Johns or um, Nathaniel Wood. Now, Brett Johns, as you know, in his last outing was literally fighting for his career and he you know, secured the win. Mm-hmm. So I know this is a little bit of a, I suppose, controversial matchup considering that yeah, Johns is coming off a win and uh, you know Nathaniel was coming off a loss. But I would just like to see them settle that argument once and for all. I'd love to see that, you know, um, actually transpire, actually happen. Yeah, yeah I'd love to cool. see it. And then also too, like, um, the UFC doesn't hold true to rankings anyway. You know, that's just me putting it out there that they both had a loss. But you and I both know that fighters can can fight a loser, but even though you just won at any moment. So that could hold true. Oh, yeah. And that would be one hell of a test because Brent Johns got that wrestling. Like, it's not just, oh, he's good at takedown defense. You saw mm. him grapple with, with Tony Gravely. So I wonder yeah. if he would also try to grapple with Nathaniel Wood. That's an excellent matchup. I like that. Got me thinking. Speaking of excellent matchups, I didn't miss anything else on the prelims before we go to the main card, right? I mean, there's there's some some other stuff, but I mean, I enjoyed the prelims. It was the main card that fell flat for me, but um, we we can move on from it. I just um, I'm sorry if I'm a little lackluster. I wasn't really tripping off this card at all. You know, Mm. it just didn't really grab me. There was 13 fights, seven unanimous decisions. You know what I mean? Um, two disqualifications, only three KOs, one submission. Ah, the car didn't really have me pumped. So, but you know, we st- we still got plenty to dissect here. So, and we still have that main yeah. event and that funky co-main event to discuss. So, whatever you, you know, go ahead. I wouldn't mind skipping to the co-main unless there wasn't what well, it was anything on the main card that piqued your interest no let's get to it that was a little funky little yeah fight, so <laughs> you know just to set the scene mm-hmm. i think it's only right that we hear from kairos what's going on everybody i'm kairos usually you know me as the person who puts the line in the sand and says stay over there and i'll stay over here let's argue our points but that's not today I just want to present to you what I think, and I want you to tell me what you think, honestly. You could hit me up on Twitter. You guys can hit up our cast members on the WoCast. doesn't matter. Here it goes. I don't think Diego Sanchez should continue fighting. 
And I know what you guys are going to say. Kairos, what about... I, what I'm saying is not based off of last night. This has been an accumulation of events over and over around guys like Diego and Diego himself. I don't want to see somebody like him end up having long-term damage and even not having a lifespan that's long because of the stuff that he did in mixed martial arts. This is the guy who competed on the first season of Ultimate Fighter. I don't think any person who was on that season is still competing to this day. And that's for good reason. That was almost like 15 years ago. That's insanity to think of this man has been competing for that long. And it's not like he's just having long uh, five-minute wars like GSP or he's doing... He's been knocked out every fight that he has, is reckless. Every single opponent that he takes is trying to knock his head clean off. And yes, he's provided us with such amazing entertainment over these past few years. And that's great and all, but I don't want to see this man lose himself i don't want to see something tragic happen we're seeing bj Penn self-destruct before our very eyes this man is in constant bar fights in fact the ufc finally said we're not having him fight anymore i think it's only a matter of time until another organization steps in and lets them compete which i think is the exact thing that may happen if diego sanchez ends up not fighting for the ufc anymore i can't see a situation where he's not fighting so what is the solution what can we do i have no clue that's why i'm posing this to you all to those of you who agree with me at least like if you don't agree with me that's perfectly fine i'm open to being wrong on this because i'm not perfect i may portray myself as being perfect and always having the right answers but that's not the case i'm just very opinionated and passionate about what i talk about and i really I'm worried about Diego Sanchez and people like him in his position, not just in combat sports, people in football, people in hockey, people in NASCAR, for goodness sake. I just, it worries me at night to think about what if Diego Sanchez one day drives into ongoing traffic, walks into ongoing traffic, does something just foolish because his judgment's been clouded because he just, uh, I, uh, it's scary to think about. What do you all think about this? Thank you so much. Have a great day. You see, that's confirmation if you needed it, that, you know, Kairos is indeed the PED. <laughs> he is the podcast enhancing drug. I've used the terminology before. He is definitely a shot in the arm for the woke cast. But Kairos, you know, I love you, bro. I know you're listening. I know you're listening keenly just to see which way I'm going to be swaying on this. But I disagree with you. You knew this was coming. I don't know about you, G, but what? we've discussed this oftentimes that a lot of the time when, you know, well, the public, the general public, fans are actually baying for, fans are baying for um, fighters to quit. Who are they yeah, to actually be um, directing or cajoling or nudging fighters? They will be in a position to actually make a decision. And I think, you know, this is a hard one for anybody to push um, Diego Sanchez towards retirement when you look at, you know, albeit a storied career, but of late, he's been on one... Uh, hell of a um, rena renaissance. When you look at where he's come from, I mean, recently, recent wins, Craig White, Mickey Gall, and, uh, okay, uh, you may not, you, you may not want to, yeah, you, you may not yeah. want to acknowledge it, but, you know, this is down as a win. Yeah. I mean, Michel Pierre, P P Pereira is down as a win. So, that, in terms of um, ratio, in terms of win to losses in the recent future is pretty decent so why would he quit um mike um maybe because maybe you didn't see what me and Cairo saw last night which was just absolute madness when he fought michelle yeah. piera last night i mean what was mm. up with the soon as the fight started he ran and did some type of running cartwheel kick and then on top of it it looked like he had no game plan what so ever 
And then in his last fight against Michael Chiesa, he had some the random gas attendant coach, and then he also had that same coach in this fight, and the results were horrific. Every time he fights with this new coach, he goes in there and he just runs around. There's no game plan, and the cornering gets really weird. There's discussions of shadows and winning rounds when you didn't, and it shows in his performance, and he's hella old. And he's, you know, he's already hella weird. Does he need to have any more um, brain damage or, or, or like we want him to have a good life? We like this guy. So why do we have to keep seeing him get thumped up and run around with some um, guru gas attendant coach? It's over. I mean, we can't ask him whoa, to retire, whoa, 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 whoa. but I mean, you can see Michael. My <laughs> fans don't want to see him fight anymore. I mean, I can't blame Carol for being like, I don't want to see it. Whoa, 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 whoa. You said that with your chest. Everybody knows, everybody who's anybody knows who we're looking at right there. <laughs> Joshua Fabia is a world-renowned guru and he has stock phrases which resonate throughout the planet, throughout the world, and they're uttered by many people. I mean, some of the phrases, I'm sure you've heard them before. Five recovery breaths, sip the water, oh breathe God. in. Oh Five recovery God. breaths, in the nose, right. out the mouth. Listen carefully, listen carefully. You are stopping your motion. Do not wait to see your work. Come on, these are world-renowned phrases. I, I'm, I'm disgusted oh that you don't God. know them. I'm, of course, joking. <laughs> right, I'm, I'm of here course like, oh joking. my God. Let, 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 let me just pump the brakes. What were we witnessing? Right. Can we talk about that? That I feel, I feel, oh my God. yeah, of course. We, we, we're going to go into it because that is where I feel that um, Diego Sanchez has bought whatever this snake oil, oil salesman is selling. And he is peddling it left, right, and center because the, uh, the I, I beseech you, Jesus, um, hands that he was putting in front of his face. The voodoo, and, um, yes. Um, the, yeah, I, like he yeah, was conjuring I, something. I, I, it's I, like he doesn't need conjuring. He needs an MMA coach. He needs a head coach, and he needs an MMA camp. All this funky breathing and shadows ain't doing shit for him. All he did was put out his left mm. hand and run around while Michelle Pierre did all types of funky shit and kept his back against the cage. I mean, Michelle Pierre controlled him the majority of the fight until he threw that stupid knee. And you know what, Mike? Let's keep it real. We're joking back and forth. But we do need to acknowledge yeah. the fact that we would not be discussing this disqualification if Michelle Pierre had not need him. Um, a down opponent. opponent. Mm. He's not new to the game. He's been on the regional secret. He's fought in Brazil, and now he's in the UFC. You know not to need someone a downed opponent. So if anybody wants to point fingers at anybody quitting and all this stuff, it actually starts with the person that committed the foul, which was the down knee. You know, but thank you, Michelle, because it did cause <laughs> Diego to you know say that he can't fight, and we didn't have to see this any much longer. <laughs> I mean, I was I was getting worried for him, Mike. I didn't want him to get hurt. Let's just call this as it is. If, as Kairos has said, you know, you know, there are some serious concerns yeah. here. Not only um, is he acting quite bizarrely in the cage, but he's doing it outside yes. of the cage. Because, <clears throat> excuse me, some of the uh, interviews I've, I've listened to are um, unorthodox. Yeah. And I, you know me, I like things off the beaten mm-hmm. track. I like things with a difference. I like things with a twist. But... Some of the things that he's been saying outside the cage have just been plain wild. But, but not only that, just really unorthodox, again, behavior, especially when you relate it to Diego Sanchez. I've never seen him getting the cage before and do the whole rolling thunder routine. 
and ineffectual techniques like as, as I keep saying, I, I'm, I'm calling it the I beseech you, you Christ or um, in, in, in the name of you God hands that he was just putting before you know his, what you're his observing face. Here? And um, what you're seeing mm. is that Diego Sanchez has always been a strange person from from the first episode to tough till last night he's always been that little strange fighter that we love the problem is is that his weirdness is now coming into the octagon and that's now as mixed martial artists fans and other mixed martial artists are noticing it and it's becoming really weird and we'd really like for Diego to go and find a mixed martial artist camp and a head coach so that we can see him act accordingly I don't know what I saw last night you know, and it was just like, I get that you do cartwheels and you're hella weird, but now later in his career, it's literally seeping into yeah. his performance. And this is combat fighting. This is extremely dangerous. Okay. He has a propensity for getting, taking a lot of shots in the head. You, and then none of us can diagnose CTE. Myself, I make a lot of jokes about it. We all do on Twitter, but it's not something that can be diagnosed until they've passed away, but you also don't need CTE to just have brain trauma, which can also cause you to act funny or weird. So why does he need to take any more damage? Get you a coach so that in his older age as a veteran fighter, he takes less damage but knows how to score points. He didn't even know how to close the distance and wrestle with this dude. Did you notice that? I, I have to say I was quite distracted <laughs> just by his overall behavior. That, that, that I have to say was totally bizarre and you know the worry yeah. for me wasn't just the technique wasn't just the things which were bizarre in terms of the rolling thunder and the hands out it was what his was coach him, his yeah. guru was actually saying to him I mean in a round where he clearly yeah. lost you know he was getting told you just won that round you just won that round you had the other round on points on contact right there and was thinking, no damage inflicted are on you Michelle seeing the Pierre? same thing exactly and he was on the exactly. back foot and, the and whole no time one. getting eating shots those teeth mm. kicks those knees remember the, the fight was all about the knees diego took so yeah. many knees and then the poor guy could not even um cut off the distance and 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 just get in there and grapple with him and you know why because they didn't plan for that they didn't even rehearse mm -hmm. practice whatever you want to call it train they did not have a game plan for him and that to me is something i don't want to see it's ineffective and it's dangerous for him it was unreal what i saw and I, I, i'm sorry i've seen it in his last two fights the fight against Michael Chiesa was not as bad, but it was horrible. It looked as if he didn't have a game plan. And guess what, Mike? Same coach. You see the pattern? Something's yeah. got to give with this coaches. But, you know, a lot of people on MMA Twitter want us to discuss that further. And I, I have some um, questions maybe, you know, if we have time, we'll, we'll, discuss about, we'll discuss it. Because the fans are shocked as well, Mike, that somebody's in his corner talking to him about shadows and shit. You know, one of the things as well that when, you know, just before we move on to the main event, which I was quite struck by and I was really impressed by, and I, I, I actually was punching the air when it was happening, was, you know, Pereira sticking with his shtick. And that is the <laughs> dance routine that he came out to. And actually, you know, the whole acrobatics whilst he was inside the cage would feel, I, I would have thought, slightly humbled by what others are saying actually uh, takes away from his performance, takes away from his gas tank. No, he ramped that up. He was going full, you know, um, what fully back into his in role, into his, his um, what, yeah, what seems in to be. Place with higher altitude. Yeah, exactly. What, what, 
and and that's that seems to be his mo now and he's sticking with it loved it Absolutely i don't mind um it. the dance routine and i don't mind the acrobats <clears throat> in the octagon i don't think michelle piera is ever going to mm. contend for the title doing these backflips but he is going to entertain me however if he could just shorten his walkout routine that would be great it kind of like took him too long to get to the cage though i stood you know like we are here to watch you fight bro you know what i'm saying yeah, like it, it took too long the they started to mm, that's part of the setup though you see for me he really does put the entertainment into this and yeah. you know never change Never <laughs> no, no, change. No, no, no. I don't want him to change. I just can he edit the routine just a little, maybe touch <laughs> shave two minutes off because I'm like getting thirsty for you to kind of thump and, and fight and stuff like that. And then now I'm like, okay, 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 like get in there, get in there and fight. But does he need to like not do that? No, I think it's cute. I love to see fighters having a good time. And then he gets in there yeah. and he does like all these backflips and it's appeasing to the eye, you know. And it's and guess what? He's not running his mouth, he's not weaponizing politics he's not being a dick he's having fun and using his athleticism to entertain us so what's with the complaining you know Mm, mm. now the main event Mm. Jan Blakowicz versus Corey Anderson Um, I'm not going to lie I didn't see this um, when I was actually predicting what was going to happen first of all ending so quickly and secondly so violently Yes, Um, Jan Blakowicz got it done <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can you imagine? You know, I, I, I have to say, very impressed by Blackovitz, and um, it looks as though it's him versus John Jones. I mean, to be honest with you, it was so fast and so short that I don't feel like I saw anything new from um, Blackovitz that I hadn't seen before. And uh, unfortunately for Corey Anderson, he had the uh, the wrath of John Jones to contend to, who you know went on a a, a media taunt, as it were. Um, talking about, you know, he got found out, basically. Um, yeah, I can kind of see why John Jones is now kind of pointing the finger at him and laughing. You know, Corey yeah. Anderson has had a history of trying to get a fight with him by being like a dick and tweeting, you know, disparaging things to him. And also, I think he showed up to one of John Jones' events yeah. with a friend and tried to cause a little <clears throat> ruckus. And then mm. in his last fight, Corey Anderson tried to tell us about the levels in this game. And he acted <laughs> a fool after he won. And yes, we understand why he acted that way because he felt like the UFC had turned their nose up on him because he wasn't exciting. Mm. So I get why he had that burst of just acting a fool. But, you know, don't forget, I worked media that fight. And he did tell us in the media room, and I was standing right there when mm. he said, mm. if, if my next fight is in John Jones, I'm going to retire. And then three, day, three or four days later, he blamed the media for that. And I just don't really get his trash talking or his angle. I get that you're upset, but now you're kind of being obnoxious. So to see Jan Bohovic kind of just knock him down a peg or two and just take all his momentum and now he fights John, I'm okay with it. <laughs> I don't have a problem with it. I like this. I kind of like this storyline. Curry Anderson, um, long story short, kind of lost his mind after he beat up Johnny Walker. So I'm glad Jan stole it, stole it right from him. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I so, mean, have you we, seen the memes though? Real quick, have you seen the memes of? Um, no. What have I missed? You got to get on MMA Twitter and see how people are just, you know, cracking up, laughing off that. Um, there's levels to this shit and and all the stuff that Corey was saying. So don't forget to log in and see the creativity behind this because it is hilarious. Oh wow, I can imagine. <laughs> MMA so it happens Twitter when you talk a lot of fu- shit, though, right, Mike? 
Yeah, and MMA is at its twi- uh, at its Twitter finest when they um when they find people who come up short. Oh, it's one of my favorite things <clears throat> of Twitter is just kind of clowning each other other fans and just sometimes the fighters give us you know plenty of stuff to to joke about and it kind of brings us together so it's you know i've been i've been laughing since this morning but make sure you check it out <laughs> oh definitely as i mentioned early on in the show this week's guest is larone murphy it's about that time ahead of ufc london which happens on march 21st let's hear from larone murphy what's happening bro well, I was about to ask you the same thing. You're the man of the moment. You're the uh, you're the man, the myth, and the legend, who is now uh, poised to make his UFC London debut. How does that feel? I'm just excited. It's a big fight, and um, I'm excited to go and show what I can really do. Now, you know, obviously, to the uh, initiated, you are facing Gabriel Benitez now. You don't do things by half, do you? Your UFC debut was a massive challenge, which you rose to. And now to follow up, you know, you've got Gabriel Benitez, who is a, a tough, um, well, well, I, I suppose tough veteran, as it were, in every sense of the word. How does that feel? I mean, you must have done your research on him. You must have done your background checks. How does that feel to be facing him for your London debut? Yeah, they're giving me they're giving me big fights, but um, it's all about perspective and how you see it. I just see it as a big opportunity um, to put me up in the ranks. And um, obviously, we know it's a tough fight, but I think I'll bring the best out of me. You know, I mean, just going back to the question which I just posed just a while ago. Looking at him, obviously, there's a lot of tape to go on. In terms of, you're right; it's a fight, obviously, but. This is uh, a wily veteran. This is somebody who has been around the block several times. I think it was uh, 2014 was uh, his, um, well, when he started in in the UFC um, under the tough banner. But, you know, when you look at all all of that, does that actually mean anything to you? In terms of pedigree, he's obviously um, coming from good stock. Yeah, of course he is. He's well-rounded. He's very, very, very good. But I think I can match him. Um, he's he made his UFC debut, and I was just starting out training, so <laughs> it's a mad thing. But I think I can go out and beat him. It's going to be a good good challenge, but I think I've got what it takes to beat him. And just what you have, and uh, in terms of what it what it takes, you know what really really uh, surprised me about you know first of all this interview is the way that you engineered it. I, along with obviously quite a few people, have been putting the feelers out and um, actually, you know, campaigning, as it were, to have you on the show and to interview you. You actually took the bull by the horns yourself and actually arranged the day which suited you. Is this like, um, is this something which you thought up yourself or is this what management have actually urged you to do? Because you seem to have a really good knack in terms of, look, this is the schedule that I've got work with it this is my interview day i mean where did that whole approach come from yeah i've been getting lots of messages asking for interviews here and there and it's like why i just do them here and there when i'm training and then i'm tired i just thought i spar this morning and i've got the rest of the day off so i'll just get them scheduled in get them all done today if anybody needs any on fight week then um if i've got time i'll do them but i'll just get them out of the way now before it gets deep into camp 
And in, in terms of management, um, who are you managed by at the moment? I don't have a manager at the minute. Probably why the, I'm getting the fights I'm getting. <laughs> <laughs> because it, it seems to me that either someone sat you down and said, look, this is the way which I feel will actually benefit you. And uh, I don't know where you got the kind of... Um, the uh the momentum to do it this way but thank you so much because it's so refreshing that you know you're, i'm actually speaking to an athlete who is basically thinking not only about himself in terms of timescales but you know we also work the deadlines as well as media owners as journalists as well so thank you for that but in terms of your mindset in terms of where you're coming from right now what's actually changed for you considering that you're now in the UFC, haven't been on the regional circuit, what's changed for you as Lerone Murphy? It's like it's like a real job now. It's, it's, it's like do or die kind of thing. Obviously, the UFC, I've got four fight contracts. I need to get some wins. My last fight was a draw, which felt like a loss. Um, obviously, it's still not a win, so I need to start winning um, in order to get a new contract. And that's my goal for this year to get a, get a few wins under my belt, hopefully free in a perfect world and then get a new contract. So in terms of like how people treat you, do, have you noticed any difference? Have you noticed people gravitating towards your circle or are you keeping your circle relatively tight? Yeah, it's changed massively. It's, it's like people view you different, but nothing's really changed for me other than I'm getting harder fights. It, it, nothing's changed for me. I'm not a different person or anything, but... Yeah, it, people want to work with you now. Loads of sponsors coming through, and people want to come train at the gym. It's like it's mad. It's it's crazy. So, in in terms of like your overall outlook and your overall perspective, you talked about ambition. You talked about you know what you want to get accomplished this year, but. In the long term, I mean, have you got a roadmap in terms of you must have looked at the landscape? I know I'm not asking you to look past um, who you're going to be facing um, come fight night. But in terms of the landscape, you must have viewed it and thought, yeah, he'd be quite an interesting matchup. Yeah, but um, obviously I've only been in this game for six years from scratch. So for me... I'm still learning. Um, I want to spend the next year learning, get better, get better, and then, then we'll start looking towards the top ten, top fifteen, and and start um, strategically picking our fights and get and, and aiming for that belt. Because obviously it's, it'll be wide open by like by next year, the year after. Do you know what I mean? But for now, we're just learning. We're getting the right fights, we're getting big fights, and hopefully we're climbing the ladder, fight by fight. Now, just flipping back ever so slightly, when you were talking about, you know, obviously arranging your own interviews, you must get sick of the run-of-the-mill interviews. What what would you say are the reoccurring interview questions that you're sick and tired of answering? It's just like, how did you get into MMA? How do you see this next fight going? Um, how was your UFC debut? That, that's the main question I've been getting. Like, how did I feel in my UFC debut? And do I think I won the fight and whatnot? So, you know, when you look at, you know, these batch of questions, uh, you know, the, the run of the mill, the obvious questions, I'm so glad I didn't ask you any of those. <laughs> but, you know, when you see these questions, if you were actually to turn it round and um, if you were to be controlling the interview, what are the sort of questions that you would like to be answering? What are the things that you'd like to be exploring? People should really be asking, like, if 
your feet, how do you, your feelings, do you know what I mean? Like, and your goals and obviously ambitions, like you asked before, but um, it, it's, it's people should be trying to get a, a real insight to the fighters' thought pattern and how they, do you know what I mean? How they're feeling in certain fights and stuff like that, I think. So, you probably would have gathered that, you know, the world cast does take questions um, from left field in terms of the way that we direct our questions. Now, yeah. it's Black History Month. Lauren Murphy, you've obviously got um, surely an interest in Black History Month. You know, in terms of your schooling, was Black History one of those things which was high on the agenda or were you, you know, like many others, kind of like um, shielded from your own history, as it were? Yeah, definitely not. I just I didn't learn anything about Black History through school. Anything at all. I don't think we had. I don't think it was mentioned. I went to school in like kind of a white area um, called Stockport, and it was it wasn't. They didn't make it like a priority to teach us about any of that. We was getting taught about Vikings and stuff like that. Do you know what I'm saying? So I didn't know any of that stuff. The first thing I learned about Black History was watching the film Roots with my dad. That was the first film film I watched or anything about that. So that was obviously off your own back. Now, I'm, I'm yeah. guessing that that sowed a seed in terms of thirst for knowledge. So what would you say was the, the, the direction that you took after Roots? Because I know for myself, it was the autobiography of Malcolm X. But what was it for you that kind of like kicked things off in terms of filling the gaps in terms of your black history knowledge? It probably took until I got a bit older, actually, to be, to be honest. Um, and I started reading books and looking into things a bit deeper. I've, I've actually read the Malcolm X autobiography myself. Um, I watched a lot of YouTube stuff, like videos and stuff, um, going back into history. Um, it, took, it probably took me getting a bit older, to be honest, to want to wanna go into stuff like that. And just sticking with like the historical aspect in terms of Black History Month, when you look at the UFC roster or when you look at MMA as a whole, would you say historically there's anybody, you know, black or white, who you've kind of like thought that is going to be my blueprint towards um, how I conduct myself. That is going to be my blueprint towards how I fight. And that's going to be my blueprint in terms of achievement. Is there anybody that you've looked to you know, again, from a historical um, point of view, um, you can go back as far as you want within MMA and like pick out some names. But are there any, um, well, people who you point to as, um, well, guiding lights for you? I'd say, I'd say the likes of Khabib. I like the way he goes on. He's, he's a serious, serious, serious man. He's respectable, but he's looking to kill you. Like he's, do you know what I'm saying? I like his, I like his uh, mannerisms. As as a fighter, um, who else? <sighs> there's not there's not many I look to like it, like that, but um, obviously McGregor's a businessman. Uh, but in terms of being a role model, obviously he's not because he's kind of done some bad stuff at it, and he's also gone against another man's religion, which I don't think you should ever do. So just finally, though, um, I'm guessing that you, like most fighters, obviously want to stay as um, firmly entrenched in the UFC as you can. But 
I know it's only early in your UFC career, but are you starting to think about longevity? Are you starting to think of, you know, how you can actually um, maintain this as a career in terms of, it's got to end one day, right? Obviously we are far from that, but have you thought about, you know, actually future-proofing your career and what would you say would actually future-proof your career? Yeah, of course. I think uh, I've, you know what? I've been, I've been, I've been seeing every other day UFC fighters getting released and this and that, and then going on to small promotions and stuff. And like, obviously, it depend. You have to perform to stay in there. Do you know what I mean? But um, at the same time, you got you have to think management and you have to build your brand outside of the UFC. Um, so you've got something away from that, and that's what we're kind of focusing on now. Um, obviously, we're going to be training hard. We're going to be winning fights, and obviously, hopefully, I retire still a UFC fighter because obviously, UFC is the biggest promotion in the world. Um, it's not the only promotion, but it's the biggest promotion. It's it's always been my dream to fight there, so that's my that's my plan. But it's all about building your brand away from the UFC, so you can create business opportunities away from that. One final question. I know I said that was the final question, but you, just looking at the way that you operate, seem to have a, a very, very tight team around you. You've got Prince and you've got um, Musa. I mean, is, is that the complete package or, you know, is are, are there wider aspects of the team that I'm actually missing? No, there's wider aspects. I've got, I've got, I've got friends that keep me keep me focused Loz James is like one of my good friends um, and that plays a big part in it you're big when you've got big fights you need someone to speak to it's, a lot of it's mental do you know what I mean um, I've got Dominic Cruz who's in America I like to speak to him when i got fights and think on and, and like sending him a sparring and saying like what, what do you think of this where do I need to work um, there's a lot there's a lot of, of the same things my family everything like it's not just the coach and you call on the team, do you know what I mean? There's, there's a lot of aspects that go into it that make me the fire I am and keep me on them um, straight and level. Outstanding. Well, we are just running up to the 15 minutes allotted time. I don't want to encroach on the next journalist's um, time slot that he's been allotted. So all that really remains... The last time I spoke to you, I think it was... I think um, I just called out uh, what's his name? That Bellator fighter. Do you remember? That was the last time I spoke to you, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, mad how times change, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's mad, isn't it? I mean... To be honest with you, I, I like you know, um, subscribe to the moniker Always Making Trouble. And I love the fact that, you know, um, you were one of these fighters who were actually trying to get fights by basically looking at people and saying, yeah, I'd like to fight you. I, I have to say, I, I'm not going to lie, I do miss that Lerone Murphy. I do miss the person who basically decisively is um, in charge of his career and who he actually faces in the octagon. Are, are we going to see that Lerone Murphy yeah, returning? Do you, know do you know what, mate? Like, I want to fight the best, but obviously my my main thing here now is to get this win. I need a win in the UFC. I've not got a win in the UFC. Get a win in the UFC and you might hear that from me on the mic. I might have somebody ready to call out. <laughs> <laughs> now now you've you've intrigued and piqued my interest. Obviously, um come fight night, you're gonna be looking for the finish. Obviously, you're gonna be calling out someone on the mic. And, and, and you know, I'm gonna give you the, the forum and the floor now. I mean, who is it that you're gonna be calling out? 
I'm not going to let you know that. I'm not going to put that out there to the world just yet, just in case. But if I get the win and I get a finish, a big finish, I'm going to I'm gonna reach for the stars because I've got nothing to lose. I'll be, I'll be still undefeated in the UFC. A big win and a decent draw. Um, I can aim high. I can aim high. I can risk it. Do you know what I'm saying? But we'll see what result I get and we'll go from there. Amazing. If I, if, I, if I get the win, I'll be calling out a top 15 guy. Um, I liked what um, Lerone was actually talking about when, you know, he kind of hinted that he'd be calling out um, an individual at, uh, well, when he actually secures the win. And I like that return to Lerone Murphy. This is the Lerone Murphy who used to go on Twitter. And I have to say, um, people didn't really like it at the time, but I loved it. He basically identified people who he wanted to fight, who didn't want to fight him, and he was going hell for leather to try and make those fights himself. Oh, wow. Self-managed. So I suppose it kind of goes with the territory that you would, you know, try and arrange fights because people don't want to fight you. So, you know, all power to Lerone Murphy, and I can't wait to see his return in March. Oh, I can't wait either. And let me tell you, his fight with Zabara Tuganov at uh, UFC 242 was, even though it ended in a mm. draw, it was thrilling. And I, I can't wait for him to fight again. And to be honest with you, I wish he fought sooner because he had um, like a, a stateside buzz over here. I saw Jim Asun. I saw myself. Oh, really? A few other folks were like, hey, I kind of like this guy. Because if he could just work on like his wizard and also his takedown defense, he would have won that fight. He was uh, winning on the feet. And, you know, we like that. We like that flashy shit in, in, <laughs> on the state side. And I think he has it in him. So I'm really excited about his next fight. Uh, Gabriel Benitez is a vet that's no yeah. joke. And although he did just lose to Sadiq Youssef, he um, nailed Sadiq a few times coming in as well before he got TKO'd. So he's he comes straight forward. He's, he's a true-to-the-heart Mexican fighter with experience. But I think Lerone mm. can beat him. I really do. So um, I, And then I think Gabriel can give him a run for the money, but I'm going to put my money on Mr. Murphy. But then I can't wait for this because neither fighter is a boring point fighter or a lay and pray artist here. They're going to go at it. So I can't wait. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you both. I'm intrigued. You know, you were saying that he does have um, a bit of a buzz stateside. How much of his story actually permeated, actually got through to you guys over there? Did you um, did you hear any feedback or did you kind of like get any kind of like buzz around the fact that, you know, just like 50 Cent, you know, he survived the shooting and obviously turned his life around. And what he's doing now is a million miles away from where he was when he got shot. Our stateside listeners to the WOCast were intrigued by that story. That oh, got okay. the, the inside scoop. You know, they yeah. thoroughly in love that backstory, including myself, because I didn't know much about it. Because, yeah, I'm on the show, Mike, oh. but I'm still learning from you and all these UK fighters because you guys are like, you're from the UK. You're breaking down UK fighters mm. to a T and I'm, you're naming people I never heard of and you, you have the, the scoop. So none of, none oh, of okay. us know a lot about this stuff until they listen to the WOCAS. But once I heard his yeah. story, me and a few others are most definitely intrigued. But what I think stateside viewers really liked about him was that fight with um, at UFC 242. Like, um, to take it on short notice, the, the, to take it in en enemy territory and to put on a performance like that in Abu Dhabi. That's yeah. what really got the stateside people like, who's this guy? Now, another full week of fights not only do we have another ufc card 
um, this coming Saturday. But we also have Bellator Dublin um, and here to talk through that and to kind of prime us for what's actually coming up is Chisanga. As well as the UFC in Auckland this weekend, mixed martial arts fans across the globe can also get their fill of fights with Bellator Dublin, which will take place at the Three Arena in Dublin on Saturday night. Now, to say this card has been massively and majorly reshuffled would be somewhat of a massive understatement. Of course, as I'm sure you all know of and well aware of by the interview with Cal Kellner on this week's show, the card was supposed to be headlined by his long-awaited clash with SPG Ireland prospect James Gallagher, which of course was meant to take place in Dublin last year. Injury, however, has led to the cancellation of the bout, which is, to me, is fast becoming a, a curse one for Europeans. And let me go back and uh, I should have prefaced that by saying that injury to James Gallagher has led to the fight being cancelled. It's not all bad news, though, as the cancellation of Gallagher versus Eleanor has led to Ireland's own Liam McCourt landing the main event slot. And the bout, her bout, sorry, with uh, Judith Ruiz will see her become the first female to headline a major MMA card in the Emerald Isle, an honour which will no doubt hold dear to her heart for the rest of her life. Although many fans have been left disappointed by Bellator Dublin's new headliner, I, from one, are happy to see Leah getting the shine that she deserves so early into her career. Now, it's rare to see prospects so green into their careers be given headline slots, let alone headline slots at such big arenas. So I, for one, have no qualms with her being the main event for the promotion's latest trip to Ireland. As for the matchup itself, on paper, I think it's going to be the toughest of Leah's career. Off the top of my head, I do believe Judith is 6-5, and five. The six and five, and she'll be entering the contest uh, full of confidence that she's riding a two-fight win streak. I do, however, feel that Leah will get the job done. Um, in her last two fights, I do believe the most recent one she won via via submission via rear naked choke. Correct me if I'm that. Correct me on that if I'm wrong. Feel free to tweet me and say I'm wrong about that. And then the previous one she won via doctor stoppage. I'm pretty sure. And both of those, both of those took place in the first round, and I think she's just gonna overwhelm Judith too early, and she'll pick up another first round victory. Fan favorites Charlie Ward and Aaron Chalmers, Aaron Chalmers, formerly of Geordie Shore, although I need to stop referring to him by his reality TV, uh, former reality TV status, will also be in action at the Three Arena with Ward taking on Kyle Kurtz in a middleweight matchup, and War- and I was about to say Ward again. Sorry, apologies about that. And Chalmers taking on Austin Clem, but for me, the the standout fight. Well, two of the standout fights for me aren't even the ones the aforementioned ones that we're talking about. They are, of course, Franz Malambo's bantamweight clash with Ricky Bandejas and Chris Bungard's bout with former lightweight champion Brent Primus. Now, my eagerness to see Malambo versus Bandejas stems from the fact that. Ricky has already got some SBG blood on his hands in the form of none other than the former headliner of this, James Gallagher, who he knocked out in emphatic fashion in August 2018. So personally, I'm fascinated to see if he can go into the lion's den and add another SBG head to a pike on enemy territory. It's going to be a hostile, uh, he's going to get a hostile reception. I can't wait to see if he can deal deal with it. And also, you've also got the angle of friends trying to avenge his fallen comrades. So this really does make for a fascinating, fascinating fight. And speaking of friends, 
also, I believe that at this stage of his career, Bandeus is the type of caliber opponent that who he needs to be taking on to further his development and his progression up the ranks. Now, moving on to Primus versus Bungard, which, of course, was originally meant to be about between Primus and Dublin's own Peter Quirley. This is a really, really fascinating matchup and one that could propel Bungard up the ranks a lot faster than I'm sure he expected. The dreaded injury bug to Peter Quirley, who, of course, he's actually had a long-standing war of words with is well, inadvertently paved the way for him to potentially being in title contention. I firmly believe that had Quigley uh, stayed with the card and had he won this fight in emphatic fashion on home soil, that he could have could very well have earned himself a title shot. And I wholeheartedly believe that if Bungard can go onto Quigley's own back, backyard and get an emphatic win over the former champion that he could soon find himself in title contention. Now, stylistically, this is going to be arguably the toughest task of Bungard's career, but I fully expect him to rise to the occasion and put on a stellar performance, especially considering Queely, who, as I just said beforehand, he's had a long-standing back and forth with, will be cage side for this one. So, now... Going back to the card itself as a whole, if I was to grade it, I'd probably give it a solid B plus due to its blend of prospects and interesting matchups. Let's see if it lives up to my billing and does the job. All right, guys, that's all for me. Chisanga Malata of the Daily Star and Daily Express. Enjoy the fights this weekend, and I'll catch in with you next week. One of the things which um, I thought that Chisanga would go into is the historic nature of Liam McCourt actually headlining what effectively is, for a major promotion, the first female belt that has ever headlined a Bellator or even a major promotion going to Ireland. That's actually incredible to see. And if you know Leah's um, backstory in terms of, you know, basically fighting her way up as a single mother and now you know headlining what effectively is one of the biggest shows in Ireland it's just incredible to see but not only that um there is obviously bubbling in the background and uh, it's going to be unfolding on Woe TV. If you haven't seen it already when you're actually listening to this, head over to woetv.com and you'll see a pretty exclusive interview with Cal Eleanor, who was one half of the bout which has now fallen out because of James Gallagher's injury. Um, he talks pretty candidly as to what he thinks is actually going on there in terms of the pullout and why things have actually fallen apart and his real desire, considering that this, if they do manage to get this on um, again in terms of a matchup, will be the third time that they are actually trying to make this happen. So it's um, a, a cheeky plug, I know, but if you haven't already, head over to wotv.com and search out that Cal Eleanor exclusive interview. But back to Bellator Dublin, it's taken a hammering in terms of cards um, of recent history and the fact that, you know, a lot has actually happened, a lot has actually changed. But, you know, I, I'm kind of looking optimistically at that. Um, the fact is this is an opportunity which has presented itself for Leah McCourt just to get back to her and it's in an incredible opportunity that she has grasped with both hands. Yeah, I think this is just, it's it's well-deserved. You know, she is right now Bellator's sweetheart. She's a great correspondent for Bellator and women's MMA. She's also a great fighter, three 
consecutive wins as of uh, actually two consecutive wins in Bellator right now. And I'm really looking forward to her bout. She's she's scrappy, but I know that she likes to win by submission a lot and can sink in a choke at any moment. So I look forward to that. And I agree with Chisanga. I think that she's going to get the better of uh, Judith and um, get like an early win or another submission. Um, she's going to have the home crowd advantage. This is a, a big fight for her. And um, I think she's going to get it done. I think she handles pressure well, too. So I have all my confidences with Leah McCourt, and I wish her the best. Can't wait. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I can't wait to see this. Who I also can't wait mm-hmm. to see um, is Charlie Ward. Conor McGregor's right-hand yeah. man and sometimes bodyguard is going to be on the card as well. He takes on Kyle Kurtz. That, I think, is an interesting matchup, given the record of both men. I mean, Charlie Ward is 7-4, and Kyle Kurtz is... 10 and 7 but also on the card this is one obviously as a Brit that I will be keenly watching and that is Aaron Chalmers the return of Aaron Chalmers versus Austin Clem now for me this is an important outing because you know coming back off a loss is I would say no mean feat especially you know when you are the type of person who is very vocal who is very flamboyant who is very much um the showman and that was his downfall I, I I'm just wondering if we are going to see a more muted um Aaron Chalmers this time round Oh you think so I mean isn't he also um a huge advocate and a huge voice for like mental health issues I believe is that correct Yeah Good yeah, that's him. right. Um, he has in the past, um, he suffered with anxiety mm. and um, he's made no secret about it in terms of being an advocate, first of all, but secondly, being open about his own struggles, you know, telling of him actually Going having crippling it. anxiety yeah. to the point where, you know, he refused to leave the house. Right. So. This, like I say, is a really important uh, matchup, and it would be incredible to see um, if he actually does pull through this. Because not only would a win be a personal triumph for himself, given you know his own mental health struggles yeah. as well, but also you know it's it's a beacon and it's also a standard bearer for other people exactly. who are actually living with the same condition. Yeah, and a win kind of gives him a greater platform with each win, you know, a bigger voice, and it's so nice to see a fighter use this platform for something positive and something that kind of affects all of us. You know, all of us have either experienced crippling anxiety or depression, or we know somebody that is, someone's husband, you're married to somebody. We all we all can relate. So I just love when fighters kind of, you know, use their platform for something like this. So, you know, I'm always going to root for, for Aaron, and hopefully he gets more and more vocal about it and more and more people listen, you know, and he has influence. So, you know, another one, I wish him the best. I'm going to look forward to this one as well. Yeah, yeah. For me, um, elsewhere on the card, the one that I'm really, really looking forward to is Franz Malambo, who's yes. taking on Ricky Bandeas. You know he's been on the card or he's been on the um, show before. Absolutely. And for me, they couldn't have scripted this better. He's going to be, hopefully, um, from his point of view, avenging the loss, um, which uh, Ricky Bandeas famously gave to his teammate. And that is James Gallagher suffered at the hands of Ricky mm-hmm. Bandeas. So Ricky Bandeas not only is going into enemy territory, Ricky Bandeas is obviously going into, you know, what effectively is James Gallagher's backyard, but fighting one of his colleagues, one of his sparring partners, one of his 
um, well, his, his cohort. And uh, that's going to be an interesting outcome, I have to say. For me, this is a big step up in terms of where Franz Malamba has come from, where and what he's been doing, because he's been on a tear of late. And he's been, you know, going through people of note, like massive um, kudos to him for what he's done since coming into Bellator. Oh, yeah. And I I, uh, cannot wait for this fight. This is actually, don't laugh at me, but this is kind of like my co-main event, to be honest with you. Like, I cannot wait for this. I'm a huge Ricky Bendejas fan. Um, I like how professional he is. He doesn't really use Mm. the mic to cause much trouble or talk a lot of shit, even when he was fighting someone like James Gallagher, who, you know, he's there for the show. He entertains us with his mouth. And Ricky kind of keeps it kosher. I love it. And he also delivered one of my favorite knockouts. Unfortunately, I like James Gallagher, too, but Ricky did a beautiful job beating him. And I like this storyline of Franz. Yeah, love it. Right? Like, sometimes, you know, Bellator, they know what they're doing, folks. Like, y'all like to talk shit Mm. about them, but their matchmaker, whom, you know, we all know uh, Michael Morgan loves, um, does a pretty good job, you know. So (laughs) this has a storyline behind it. And you know what else I love about this? Both of these men are professional. And they don't yeah. need to do a lot of shit talking. They respect each other. But when they get in there, they're going to fight. And I cannot wait. I love it. Me and you yeah. both. Just to whet people's appetites, uh, our man Jake is going to be on the ground Yay, behind the scenes at Bellator. Yeah, Bellator Dublin. So you'll be able to see pre-fight interviews, post-fight interviews, and probably a little bit more considering um, Jake uh, will be, as I say, very, very close on the ground speaking to wonderful. all and sundry, the runners and riders. Yeah, wonderful. I love Jake. He's such a polite and just such a fun addition to my MMA Twitter world. You know, when we talk, he's polite. Mm. He knows what he's talking about. And then he's running around on the ground doing the events and stuff. So I love it. I love his professionalism and I love the fact that he's very, very hungry to actually, <clears throat> excuse me, crank out content, yeah. which, you know, obviously is at a premium these days because it's very hard very difficult to find you know you'll know yourself people who are passionate but also um you know willing to putting that time to actually create content yeah. so it's i'm really really pleased and blessed to have you know jake on board especially attending the event um on friday and saturday yes i cannot wait and i thoroughly enjoy his company as well and for all of everybody that's listening and is like who the hell are they talking about check out jake jones mma his at is that what i just said at jake jones mma Mm -hmm. he's a great follow and check him out and he's on the ground for woe tv because you know mike we're sitting here making love to jake and a lot of people listening are like who is this guy so we might as well (laughs) we might as well put his handle out there too Oh, 100%. Actually, it's a a very, very opportune time to shout out our handles. I mean, if people want to consider or uh, continue any of the conversations which we started here, they can get you at... G-Spot MMA. And they can get me at Mike Woe TV. So, uh, you know what? Just before we uh, close out the show with listener mail or listener Mm -hmm. questions... Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you, I know, you know, um, maybe this is the opportune time to ask. Um, do you think there's anything to be said of the timeliness of the announcement that the UFC will be going to Dublin in August? Now, bearing in mind it's August, do you think there's anything to be said of the timely announcement, considering we are literally days away from Bellator Dublin? 
not sure. I, I really don't know if that has anything to do with Bellator or the fact that they have a major Irish star that's back in their back pocket, which would be Conor McGregor. I'm more thinking about, is he going to be on that card? And if he's on that card, then he blows Bellator Dublin out the water, Mike. You know, like, it don't, it don't really matter. Um, and to be honest with you, that's what most people are thinking. If you go on MMA Twitter and you go on the blogs, people are like, I saw a man of mayhem talking about he already purchased his hotel room. Like, people are not playing. They're going to wow. this UFC fight. And Mike, <laughs> how huge would it be for Conor McGregor to be on that fight? And he walked away from that fight with Cowboy with not nay scratch. And he said he wanted to fight quite often this year. So, Yeah, but think about it, though. Mm-hmm. Um, he is their pay-per-view cash oh, cow. Oh. They're not going to put something like a fight night on pay-per-view. Wait a minute, it's but a not fight only night? That. Mm. Yeah, it's not a numbered card. <laughs> It's a fight Yeah, Connor won't be on that card. Scratch that, folks. I had no idea. <laughs> I'm sitting here getting it. I hate when I turn into a bird and I get so excited about stuff. Oh, my God. No, that's just going to be a fight night? No, Connor won't be on that. Mm. He needs his pay-per-view money. That man is rich. Um, there you yeah, go. Yeah, maybe, maybe there is some truth. You think? But, I mean, Mike, is Bellator even on UFC's level for them to even try to be that petty? And, and now suddenly they're at, you know, they're in Dublin. Not, they're in Ireland. I mean, you think there's some drama behind this? I just think there is something to be mm. said of a promotion who chooses the fact that they are coming back to Ireland in August mm. to start advertising it in February. It's a little bit unusual. Let's just put it yeah, that way. Maybe it's maybe it's um, unusual, and also maybe the UFC is petty. Maybe they want to blow out their competition you know, out the water, you know, like we do it better. So you... Oh, just piggyback off the fact that, you know, a lot of people will be uh, having their eyes on um, Bellator this coming weekend and it's a nice way of actually piggybacking off off all of that publicity which will be generated because one thing I would say for Bellator, especially Bellator Europe and the way that they're actually doing things, they know how to promote, they know how to gain traction, especially online. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You got a demonstration going on in the back. Listen, it's it's a <laughs> listen, y'all. It is a long weekend in the states, so my neighbors are partying. So I'm sorry if you hear a riot. I'm safe. All right, well, <laughs> it's just a long weekend. What's the celebration? Um, it's just um, President's Day is on Monday, so we honor our presidents and whatnot. Um, I don't know what honoring most of us do. Most of us just kind of just don't go to work. So, <laughs> All right. so I don't go to work on Monday. So. People are playing around and hanging out. My neighbor must be having a party. <laughs> uh, well, happy or unhappy President's Day. Well, I'm always happy when I don't have to go to work. I'm just straight chilling. Oh, okay. I, I thought that you have to excuse my real ignorance here. With President's Day, I thought you would be acknowledging past, previous and present presidents, right? No? Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, maybe somebody else. I'm not, you know, I might be the wrong person to talk to about that. I've just had about enough of U.S. politics and I've been like this for years. So, you know, I'm just yeah. going to enjoy my day off. Thank you, former past and present <laughs> presidents. I'm, I don't get a, I'm not going to get up at the crack of dawn on Monday, but thank you. <laughs> with, with, with your MAGA yeah, hat. Yeah, exactly. With my red MAGA hat. My ass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh man okay you ready listen to questions let's, let's get into yeah. it our first question is from dean dog three and he said 
In the、mm. last year, the light heavyweight division has really gained momentum. Just a few months ago, it seemed to be that no one but Jones, and he's just—I don't know what he meant to say—but he stopped right there. Do you guys see a changing of the belt anytime soon? I think he's trying to say like now we're paying a big deal to the light heavyweight division. And do you think at any time John Jones might lose, Mike? Yeah, if Reyes rematches him. That's when I see a changing of the guard because so far out of everybody that has come up against Jones, it would seem as though Reyes has the winning formula. And for me, I keep bleating on about this to anybody who will listen. I still,、mm-hmm. after rewatching it again, have Reyes one, two, and three rounds in the bag. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't、um, changed my mind on that either. I've watched it. I've, I've spoken to people that you know have a different perspective and thought John won that fight.、Mm-hmm. I've done all types of. I'm. I'm. Over, I'm done. <laughs> I thought Reyes won.、Um, do I think the the belt is going to change? No, not anytime soon. And I even think that with a Reyes rematch, I think Reyes is the biggest threat to John Jones at the moment. And I think, but I think even with a rematch,、yeah. John Jones beats him again. Really? But. Yeah, I do. I think he goes back into the、um, drawing board, and he beats him again. I think sometimes when you fight somebody for the first time, you go back、mm. and you tweak things, and you even have an advantage because you fought them before. So I think John Jones uses that against him. And here's another thing: Yeah, John Jones is always going to get the benefit of the doubt with these judges. When it comes to John Jones,、mm. he is not Demetrius Johnson. You have to beat the champ. Okay, he's not Demetrius Johnson. Where you could have said the same thing about Henry Cejudo, but when it comes to John Jones, judges want to see you dethrone him. So he's always going to get that nod if it's close. You can't tell me anything else.、Mm-hmm. So I don't think the belt changes anytime soon. And but Reyes is his biggest threat. That's, I'm gonna leave it at that. Okay.、Um, let's uh. Let's keep discussing Diego Sanchez and his crazy ass.、Okay. Um, Aaron Eastwood says. Should MMA promotions make fighters have actual MMA coaches in their corners, and not gurus or yoga instructors? But before you answer, hold that thought, Mike. People in MMA Twitter, I told you when I hit the blogs, they are concerned for this young man.、Mm. Look what、um, Meep MMA said, and and peep the sarcasm in this. Okay, is it clear that Diego Sanchez is getting? Isn't it clear that Diego Sanchez is getting completely ripped off with this guru? And Diego has fallen for it, <laughs> hook, line, and sinker. I love MMA Twitter. Like we speak, like we train and do all types of shit, and, and I love it. I do the same thing. I love it. Yeah.、Um, should the UFC step in because this is actually worrying for his mental health and state? And I can't, you know, I I, I don't blame him for the fans being concerned. So, Mike, <clears throat> talk to me about the guru. Should should the UFC or athletic commissions? Get involved and ensure that MMA coaches are in the corner.、So. No, that's not their remit. They have no cause, they have no justification to actually get involved. But close friends, close confidence,、um, fellow <laughs> fighters definitely should get involved because this is clearly a snake oil salesman. But you know what? Let me just skr-、mm-hmm. stop for a second. It could、Go、be、ahead. that you and I. Haven't really grasped what's going on here. It's clear that they have a code. It's clear that they have unspoken ways in which to actually communicate that you and I don't understand. Because you know, reading between the lines and what was said,、mm-hmm. it may sound strange to you or I, but it was obviously a trigger for something. Now, there's two ways you could look at it. 
the way in which he was preparing for the fight may be to do with what's called neuro-linguistic programming, trigger words which actually um, prompt you to do something. Now, that may be working on a deeper level and maybe in training that has proven to be spectacular, but in actuality, it's a downright disaster. Yeah. Um, I agree with you 100%. I, these are independent contractors. Yeah. So once they sign on that contract, it's their business to put the team together however mm. they see fit. Mm. So I don't believe that an athletic commission can come in or the UFC and be like, hey, this guy's not a certified trainer. I mean, they make sure that they're medically cleared, of course. But when it comes to like how you want to train yeah. or who you want to train you, that's getting a little bit too rigid here. You don't want, you know, like communism in the UFC. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um, you know, for lack of a better word, I'm joking, of course. Mm. But um, you don't want that type of regulation in the UFC. But I completely understand why everyone is so concerned, including myself. And that's why I love MMA Twitter, because we are ourselves and we make these outlandish opinions. But it's really out of concern and we love the sport. Like, we're really worried for this guy. Two fights in a row, he's had this gas station attendant, and he's doing horrible. And it looks like, <laughs> don't you, you laugh? Him it that? looks I'm like up every time no, he, he cleans that. windows at the gas station, Mike. That's what he does. I, 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 you can't tell me nothing else, okay? You either give him change or you ignore him. And Diego has hired him. And I'm sorry, it's been two fights in a row. We don't like the results. Yeah. That, like, please hire a coach if you're going to keep fighting. And hire a coach that is savvy with veterans. You know, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, he needs to have a coach that's like, you know what? I have an older fighter. Here's what he's good at. Here's what he's no longer good at. And if he's fighting Michelle Piera, I need him to close the distance and grapple because that's what my fighter's good at. We didn't see that. Hold on a minute, though. Uh, Let's just say we go back a few fights when he was winning, Craig White and Mickey Gall. If this gas station attendant was in attendance at those fights and was giving him the breathe five times um, methodology and <laughs> hold out the hands of Jesus, now, mm, would, you, yeah, yeah. would you be questioning it then? Clearly working. Um, I don't, well, first I'd have to fact check you and see if he was in his corner yeah. for those two fights. Um, you know for sure he was in his corner? No, or, no I, or? I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate and I'm being an ass okay, because so I, I don't Okay, so let's just know. hypothetically speaking, he was. Yeah. If he was in his corner, I would still be concerned because the last two performances were quite alarming. You know, you can have a good coach and then now the, the connection is no longer there yeah. or there's some type of problems and now you see, a, 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 you know, their performance type of suffer from that. That's what I would be thinking. Like, something's wrong. They mm. were on a roll and now look at him. He's got his left arm out and mm. he's running around and... You know, something's wrong in this camp. Yeah. And that's what I saw. Like, no more gas station attendants. Like, I'm scared. This is just not the sport for you to kind of roll the dice. I mean, what's next? Hire me? You know, like, <laughs> just <laughs> blame stop G. It. He didn't yeah, win. Yeah, blame just G. Blame hire G. me. Yeah, if anybody does want to hire me for fake coaching and pay me, I'll take it. New York is expensive. <laughs> I'll do a much better job than Shadows and, you know. I think I can. I think I can tell when you're losing a round. So, <laughs> DM me for details. Um, we have time for any more. I think we might have run out, Mike. Like I said, a lot of times when we post comments and stuff, people want to like chat with us and tell us how they feel. <laughs> so I think that's it for questions, which I love, though. Okay. Well, that about wraps up this episode of the Wokecast. Okay, uh, Join us I'll next time. Back. Until Bubbles then, the make some trouble. Say it on me. Always. 
Oh, 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 oh,